You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil is in Arizona, so we weren't able to properly greet one another this morning. Yeah. So, Phil, I'm giving you the bird right now. Yeah, through, he is. Through the you, microphone. Kenny. I can confirm, Phil. It's become our morning ritual. Yes. Uh, I drive in and I flip Kenny the bird, and he does vice versa, and that's how we hug each other. That's our hug, essentially. Yeah. But awesome. you're warm, Phil, so I'm flipping you off, too. Yeah. Well, Judd, you're bad at bro hugging. You should just flip people off instead. Oh, I do. <laughs> We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? And Rutgers, for the second straight year, is going to knock off a higher-seeded opponent in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. Last year, Ohio State. This year, Minnesota, as the 14th seed provides the first upset at Madison Square Garden. 65-54. I take issue, Phil Mackey, with one thing. When dog poop plays dog poop, there is no upset. No. This, up, this is up, not an upset. Upset? This is, upset? This, seedings do not make necessarily for an upset. This was two horse bleep teams. And all I have to say about gopher basketball being done, short of them actually paying to get into the CBI, is thank God the season is over. I can't believe we're starting off actually defending the gopher basketball team after this season. Upset is not the that's not the dirt to pile on this team at the end of this season. Like they got beat by another bad team. They're both equally bad. Rutgers gets to play closer to home. Uh, I have here in front of me, courtesy of our beloved program director Brad Lane, who sent this to us late last night. A reminder from the NCAA preseason, Judd Zolgad, ESPN the magazine's top twenty-five. Preseason rankings. Yeah. I'm just going to go down the list here. Yep. This is from, I believe, uh, late October. I think it's the November issue of ESPN the magazine. Mm -hmm. Duke, number one. It's actually Arizona, number two, is kind of funny in its own way as well because they paid six (laughs) figures for their best player. They paid for that ranking, Phil. Michigan State uh, might have had some improper benefits as well. They were number three on this list. Kansas, Wichita State, USC, Kentucky. Look at these powerhouses. Villanova in the top ten. Cincinnati. Who uh, went 30 and six a couple years ago? And number 10 on ESPNTheMagazine.com and ESPN the Magazine's preseason rankings, the Minnesota Gophers, mm-hmm. with forward Jordan Murphy and guard Nate Mason leading the way among the veterans. Woo-hoo. But the arrival of ESPN 100 point guard Isaiah Washington has people excited. A top 10 program heading into the season. And they're going to miss the NIT. They were, um, if you recall, they were 15th in both preseason polls, so both the uh, media and coaches poll. They got as high as 12th, and it was in uh, late November when I went to see them at the barn play Miami in what I thought was the best or, or, or the funnest gopher game to be at in years and years. They win, went in there 7-0. and they were 13-3, and and they were 2-1 and in the Big Ten after beating the Illini on January 3rd. And then Reggie Lynch was suspended, and you lost, or they lost, 14 of their last 16 games. It is, I, I contend, this is 
In my time watching sports in this town, the top three in-season buzzkills of a of a team and or program. Yeah, it's uh, it's close. I think it depends on what you quantify as in-season because, like, the 2010 Vikings were a buzzkill, but I don't but know. They, a lot of people saw the rails. Maybe maybe that that window had closed before the season. Well, and they and they started they started uh, they went into training camp with high hopes. But yeah. then, but then they lost the first game to the Saints, and you're like, oh, this is sort of weird. And then they lost the second game to the Dolphins, I, I think, at home. And so we've seen teams like the 2010 to 11 Twins, right? Because in 11, the only question in spring training that year was, can you finally get past the Yankees? And they lost 99 games. I'm talking about in during a season when you're excited, like yeah. you're excited during the season. You're seven and zero, and you're thinking this is going to be a lot of fun. And you completely fall apart. And I and I know that like Nate Mason had the flu last night, and uh, Jupree McBrayer has had was it a hip injury and Amir Coffee yeah. out. Yes. So there's so there's all these either unforeseen injuries or circumstances. And Reggie Lynch, something that happened a couple of years ago, comes back to bite this year. And so there, whether it's injuries or suspensions, there's a lot of. It ain't like they had their full allotment of players that just completely went off the rails and tanked. They were playing mostly backups, but that brings me to my biggest criticism. They still shouldn't have been this bad. Like they still had the 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 leader in double doubles in the country, Jordan Murphy, who's going to be first team All Big Ten. Jordan Murphy is going to play professional basketball. I don't know if he's going to have an NBA career, but Nate Mason's going to play professional basketball. I think Dupree McBrayer, even in Europe, is going to play professional basketball. You should have been closer to 500 in conference. I think even with some of these circumstances. So the biggest indictment is when you have to lean on. A senior in Bakari Kanate or uh, a guy who's been around the program in Michael Hurt, those guys should give you something. They should be developed better at this point. So that's my biggest criticism with Patino in this program. It's not the unforeseen injuries and things that happen. It's the fact that the guys you turn to for 30 minutes a night can't do anything. And your result, th- th- this season wasn't quite as bad on the court as two years ago because at least you had some momentum in the preseason. Which is not saying much. No, but but, but, but here's the thing. Richard Patino, and I would give him another shot next year. I would give him next year with a very good roster, Jordan uh-huh. Murphy coming back. I'd give him next year. But he now on his resume has two of the worst and most embarrassing, at least in-conference, go-for-basketball seasons in the program's history. That's not hyperbole. 2015-16 Overall, eight and twenty-three in the conference, two and sixteen. You improved. Congratulations! You did improve upon that in 2017-18 by going fifteen and seventeen, and four and fourteen in the conference. To your point, though, where I'm with you on this is what we didn't realize is when Eric Curry uh, tore up his knee in the summer, they had no bench, like they they didn't have a bench. And, and if you recall. When they were going, when they were playing well, we still said, boy, you know, the bench, you, you don't have much. In fact, I think it was McBrayer had the leg infection against Miami, and so he didn't play. And yeah. Isaiah Washington did, and Isaiah Washington struggled. And and the the problem with, with that game is you had no depth at all. So I, I'm with you on the fact that the, the overriding problem from day one, even with your starters healthy, was you did not develop guys, and uh, and I'm sorry, but Gas and Kanate should have been told after a couple of years, hey guys, we really like you, but guess what, you can't play basketball. Yeah, it's, I mean they they were the they were nothing as far as players go. And that's the thing, like I mean, in Isaiah Washington, I think there's a lot there, but it was almost like he was playing his own game with four teammates that you know might as well have not have been on the court. There was 
there was no cohesiveness with anyone who came off the bench, and that's a criticism. It's a criticism for sure. Um, by the way, we're going to get to in about 10 minutes. Stephen A. Smith went on an Aaron Rodgers rant, and it it gives me pause for the Vikings in a roundabout way. Let, let's get to that in like 10 minutes. But first, I found something on Jimmy Butler, Judd Zolgad. All right. Ding, ding. You look like you played 40-plus minutes. Do you feel like you played 40-plus minutes? Yeah, we need to talk to Tibbs. These 40 minutes are starting to add up. Butler takes it away from a couple of Rockets. A timeout on the floor. Nene landed on his leg, but seemed all right there. You wonder if it was there on the non-contact on the plant. So David Thorpe is a longtime NBA skills coach and trainer for for two or three decades, and he's actually a semi-regular on Doogie Scoops podcast. He's one of the the three co-hosts with Jamal Crawford and Tori Hunter. They're contributors. And Glenn Taylor, yeah. They're contributors, and we pay them very well for this. (laughs) Right. So, okay, so David Thorpe and then another high-profile NBA trainer had some really interesting things to say about workload and the Jimmy Butler injury. I'm just going to read you a couple things here. Uh, So David Thorpe was on Doogie's podcast earlier this week or last week. Doogie will join us in about an hour from now, too. And to sum it up, David Thorpe said in soccer, they call it a red line, referring to a player's workload or either in-game or practice, where after some level of physical activity or physical exertion, a player has to be shut down for a set amount of time because injury risk becomes too dangerous. And so the way David Thorpe was explaining it, he estimates that Jimmy Butler didn't allow his body, whether it's been years of wear and tear or... You know, the the knee was sore before the All-Star break. The Jimmy Butler didn't allow his body to heal enough throughout the minutes load, the knee irritation, to make up for that buildup. So, hmm. so, 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 so keep that in mind. And then I found this. This is a hat tip to one of the best Wolves bloggers out there. Key Sang found this on SI.com. Tim Grover has been a trainer for Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, some of the most durable players in the NBA. And he said this, sportsillustrated.com. Here's my theory. I'm pretty sure I'm correct on this. Players aren't sustaining these injuries because of the games they're playing. They're getting injured because of the number of practices and games they've already played. Thousands of hours since they were old enough to pick up a ball, which is sort of like pitcher injuries too, Judd, where if right. it's, it's, carry, it's the curveballs Kerry Wood threw when he was in high school more mm-hmm. than it was with the Cubs. Um, Grover continues, very little time for rest or recovery, no time to play or train for other sports. And so the end result is the same muscles, the same ligaments, tendons, and joints are used over and over again in the same direction, the same angles, the same motions. What piece of machinery doesn't eventually give out from repeated use over many years? At some point, the human body just says, enough is enough. And Jimmy Butler, no player in the NBA averages more minutes than him over the past five years. So he, Only two players run further distances on the court this year than Jimmy Butler. Here's my question. That makes then. sense. How, how, do you, how do you fix that now then? So if, if that's the problem, do you, do you start to have him sit out a lot of practices? What's, what's, if you're going forward, if you're going to keep him at his age as healthy as possible, what's the possible fix then? Or what's and then, the like, fix? To add to your question, you could swap Jimmy Butler's name with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins too because it's kind of a similar story. Wiggy I'm not too concerned about. Keep <laughs> wow. playing him. That's okay. You're fine if he blows his ACL. I, but he not needs to play more, I think. <laughs> Well, I, th- I think that's where the problem lies and that we have all this information and a lot of really smart people are pretty darn sure that workload and you know, practice sure, load and, and wear and yeah. tear 
po- not not it doesn't make it a hundred percent certain that you're going to get hurt, but it leaves you much more open to the possibility of a joint or a ligament or something blowing out. And so, to your question, what do you do going forward? You know, some guys like LeBron James are going to play 20 years and they're going to play more minutes than anybody else and they're not going to get hurt. Uh, So there's always going to be evidence that can point to the contrary. Well, look at this. LeBron James and Kobe Bryant played a lot and And Kobe Bryant practiced seven hours a day. And you can't compare people to people. Right, because maybe Jimmy Butler's body is more of a ticking time bomb than LeBron James' body. So the, the only way you can really go down the path of having a chance to limit injuries is to just be better at tracking and just be better at once they reach that red line, practice games, accumulation of seasons, you have to be mindful of instead of 40 minutes tonight, back and forth, defense, offense, maybe 31 minutes. How about this? Uh, Instead of calling it an, uh, an athletic trainer or a doctor, you hire somebody with those expertise and you make them an assistant coach. So they're on, they're on the, the basketball staff, and they play the biggest role in dictating how much guys play. Not well, the player team, and not the coach. Have, most teams have that. Most teams have that behind. Well, so you're, but most I'm teams saying have tips that. could use that is what I'm saying. But it's not something It's not something that you would say in a game. Okay, he reached the red line in a game. It's. I think you're accumulating this information throughout practice and games and seasons. And you have these discussions on a 30,000-foot level. Yeah. And most teams, including the Timberwolves, by the way, they have these people. And they, have, they, they do study this information. I think Tom Thibodeau just ignores it a little. He doesn't ignore it fully from what I've heard. But he doesn't pay as much attention yeah. to the information as maybe the Warriors or the Spurs do. Except the point is, two nights ago when you're playing a terrible kid, Kings team, it would really help to have somebody say, Tibbs, Towns is coming out. No, he's really coming out. And he's not going back in. I mean, he's playing yeah. in the fourth quarter of a game that you're up by 20 against a terrible team. That, that to me, yeah. is a perfect time to say, Carl, you know what? You played great tonight, but your night's done. Yeah, I think in, in, in a roundabout way, the fact that you put faith enough in Shabazz Muhammad to bring him back on a one-year contract, but you don't have faith enough now that we're halfway through the season to play him. You're playing in, this is my beef. You're playing an eight-man rotation against the bleeping, tanking Sacramento Kings, and you're up by 20. You're yes. up by 20, and you're playing right. an eight-man rotation, and Carl, like you said, Carl Anthony Towns is playing 40 minutes. Could he play 32, and, and like, could you develop another bench guy or have somebody else that you trust to not blow a 20-point lead against the Kings? Yeah. If it's the Rockets, okay, play your starters because they can score. They can shoot threes. But lights you've out. now got eight consecutive, uh, what could be pretty tough to very tough games. Monday night was the perfect time to say we're up by twenty. Considering what's coming up, the next eight games on our schedule, Carl, I'm going to rest you a little bit tonight. Yeah, and then for the people who say, well, yeah, but Jimmy Butler had a week off for the All Star break, didn't play in the All Star game. You know, he had, and then he had plenty of rest, and then comes back and hurts his knee. Well, if you think that rest helps, it's not about the week of rest he got before. He blew I get the your knee point. Out. It's cumulative it's like from years. Ten years. Yeah, yeah, it's I, like five years point. of playing all these minutes, and then college and all those things. So, yep. anyways. Um, yeah, I'm in Phoenix. So, uh, newsflash, we should do our show from Hubbard, Phoenix. We should just move down here, all three of us. They have a snack bar in the kitchen area with Cheez-Its, gentlemen. I'd be bi- Cheez-Its. I'd be big on fall and winter there. I think summer gets, and spring, I think I think summer gets really, really hot. It does, but, you know, they have so, air conditioning. That's probably a good point. I really Shut hate you right now. the rugged outdoorsman worried about the sun. I might, yeah, you know what? I have very fair skin. 
I have very fair skin. I've been burned before bad, and doctors worry about if that. If Wetmore can handle a month in Florida, you can do a summer in Arizona. Yeah. I'm bitter about that, too. We by can the get way. you a Brad Childress safari hat. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm all in and there. You'll be fine. Um, so when, when we come back, well, we're going to catch up with Tom Pelissero from the NFL Combine. Actually, Mike Zimmer's been speaking to the media. He said something very interesting about Teddy Bridgewater. It's almost like he's changing his tune a little bit on Teddy Bridgewater. So we can get to that later this hour. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, the Packers want Aaron Rodgers to sign a contract extension, which is absurd. And let's dive into some of that because I think there's a Vikings angle there too. Before we do anything, though, let's talk about the best car dealership in the Twin Cities. It's sitting right smack dab on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Luther Brookdale Toyota has been helping my family since the 1980s. Uh, my dear late mother had a 19, I want to say 85 Toyota Celica with the the headlights that flipped up like eyelids one of those it, it looked really cool in the late 80s but now that you look back you're thinking why did we ever drive cars that look like that um so that's the history going back it's a lot of the same people too that we've been working with for for multiple decades there's a family-like atmosphere that you get the minute you walk in the friendly service the knowledgeable people both in the showroom area and in the service area they've bailed us out of a lot of jams where you know a car needs maintenance whatever it is they drop everything to help especially if you build that relationship. So stop in. There's no reason to go anywhere else uh, for my money. 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. Find out about all the new safety features and bells and whistles on the 2018 models. You can also snoop around at LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Judd. Login in. Username. Mackie and Judd. Access granted. Mackie and Judd now continue on 1500 ESPN. There have been no decisions decisions made. made. I know it's been a thousand reports out there. Um, on how we're going to move forward. Um, we will continue to evolve this process. I'll go through the meetings this week with the agents. Yeah, sure. uh, when we get back, we'll circle back around and finalize a game plan as we go forward. What a difference a day makes because that was Rick wow. Spielman at the uh, NFL Combine in Indianapolis yesterday talking to the assembled press corps. And let me tell you, when Rick talks, Rick says absolutely nothing. And when he does say something, Phil Mackey, he often uh, tries to, how can mm-hmm. I put this nicely as possible, deceive you on what his actual thoughts are. Uh, Mike Zimmer, who is going to uh, to hold a press conference uh, in the 10 o'clock hour, our time, just got done with a, a, a gathering with the, the local press just now. And uh, Tom, I'm reading some of this. Tom Palacero, who is this going is to jo- who is going to join us uh, next segment, was there. And uh, let's just say the difference between Rick and Mike, uh, Mike is singing like a canary who's about to be incarcerated for 15 years selling out his friends right now. This is amazing. So I'm just Go ahead. Com- yes. I'm combing through some of this stuff and like Matthew Collar is down there. So I'm, I'm getting this from a combination of Matthew Collar, Tom Pelissero, Chad Graff, The Athletic, Andrew Kramer. They're all down there just like their thumbs are bleeding. They can't tweet fast enough for Mike Zimmer <laughs> cutting open his, his vein here. So... Number one, let's just start with the Case Keenum thing. Zimmer said, it's a guess if Case Keenum can repeat 2017. Is he the guy who was in Houston or St. Louis or the guy who was with us last year? So think about that. So even after watching Case Keenum perform at, I'm not going to say an MVP level because Tom Brady and, you know, let's be honest, uh, Carson Wentz, but performing at a very high level. Yes. 
Mike Zimmer flat out said on the record to a group of people at the NFL Combine, we aren't sure internally if he's the guy that we saw for four months last year, but you know, or if he's the guy that was a disaster with St. Louis and with Houston. Like that's that's so refreshingly honest, and I think it's how most people should feel. Like if you are one hundred percent certain after watching Case Keenum last year, oh my God, this is the next Kurt Warner or the next Tony Romo from undrafted to top five quarterback in the league. You know, you're probably getting duped and uh, Phil, 99 times out of 100. And Mike Zimmer is just saying what a lot of people are thinking. And, Phil, this is what um, you talked about, Matthew talked about, we talked about on this show. If you were paying attention during the course of uh, Zim's press conferences, right, throughout this year, he is now just extrapolating on what he was trying to tell you. Like, this is the whole thing about, for all of those who said, why would you possibly not go with Case? Look at what Case has done. Case is fantastic. And we kept saying, okay, here's your only problem with that philosophy. The head coach is not behind him. This is that. He's yeah. just, he's just He is articulating it now a little bit more. But this is when you're talking about horseshoes. And when you're saying, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't sold on him as my starter until around December. This is no surprise. No, in fact, you know, we should make a rule starting right now on this show. And, hell, phone lines are 651-646-8255. If you want to partake in the reckless speculation, uh, Vikings quarterback style, and if you are in love with Case Keenum still, you can call in and you can express your love and and you can fight, but you can no longer fight with us. You must address Mike Zimmer yes. when you call into our radio show. That's yes. Now that he's fully on the record saying this. Uh, that's not the only thing okay. he said. I'm going to paraphrase this one a little bit. Uh, Chad Graff had this on Teddy Bridgewater. And before I give you this anecdote, I think it means the Vikings are going to sign Kirk Cousins. I think Mike Mike Zimmer slightly changing his tune here and changing his tone tells me that they're all in on Kirk Cousins. And if they're told no, then they circle back on other options. Uh-huh. Asked about Teddy Bridgewater, he said, and I'm paraphrasing, it's tough to gauge Teddy's readiness because he hasn't really played in two years. That's not what he was saying in the middle of last year. He was praising Bridgewater publicly, privately, talking about how the injury is, not that it's not a factor, but hey, he's active, he's our backup, we're comfortable putting him in a game, and I'm not going to crown Case Keenum the starter because I think that Teddy Bridgewater could enter a game in a playoff race and maybe win us a few of these things. He goes from that in like October, November, December to saying, you know, it's kind of tough to gauge his readiness physically because he hasn't played in a couple years. That doesn't sound like an endorsement from a really honest guy in the middle of the NFL combine. That doesn't sound like an endorsement of a guy who's going to start week one for a potentially Super Bowl ready team, Judd. Wait for it. Reckless speculation. It's case, it's it's uh, they, it's Kirk Cousins. They are it's Kirk Cousins. They are no doubt all in right now. I don't know if they get them. I still think because they they can't control things completely. And, you know, I do think the Jets are definitely going to go after Cousins very hard. I think the Broncos are going to be involved. But, yes, this this says to me, (laughs) I just love Zim. Because Spielman gets up there yesterday and just throws nothing but slop, right? Curveballs, knuckleballs, change-ups. I'm not going to tell you what I'm thinking. I'm not going to. And Zim today... By 9:22 a.m. Central Time, has basically spelled it all out for you. Yeah, don't you love him? Here, here's another one from Chad Graff from the Athletic. Now, when asked about the free agent quarterback market, Mike Zimmer said he stressed to Rick Spielman that the Vikings have been successful because they've been a good team and play good defense. 
doesn't want a quarterback move to hinder the ability to maintain a strong team. You could interpret that as saying, I don't want a guy who's going to throw dumb interceptions yes. in the fourth quarter of a 17-point game, and Kirk Cousins has a tendency to do that sometimes. Now, I, I don't think you can get too cautious when it comes to interceptions because you need there's only so many Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady's that give you 40 touchdown upside and only throw single-digit interceptions on a yearly basis. Those are two of the top five guys of all time. You're not going to get that. Ben Roethlisberger is going to the Hall of Fame. He's got Super Bowl rings. He throws interceptions. Brett Favre is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He's got a Super Bowl ring. He throws interceptions. So I I, I, I almost feel like we're getting a little bit too caught up in interceptions here. And maybe Mike Zimmer falls into that same category. But if you put all this together and he's sort of hedging on Bridgewater, he's flat out publicly questioning Case Keenum. Those are secondary options now in my mind for the Vikings. Here's what I think the the thought process is with the Vikings right now. I don't think it's necessarily just about uh, guys throwing picks because Cousins certainly will do that. I think what this is is this is the decision of are you are you worth it? Are you good enough to take those risks? And in the case of Favre, the answer was often yes. They knew that Favre was going to throw irresponsible passes, but guess what? Brett Favre in his prime and for a long time was so good that that you would put up with the bad, and, and the Packers finally decided after the uh, conference title game in 2007 it wasn't worth it. Yeah. So I think what this is is Mike Zimmer looks and, and Spielman, they look at Cousins and they say, yeah, he's going to throw some irresponsible passes, but guess what? It's worth the risk. Case Keenum, they looked and said, backup. He's still a backup. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah, here's another one. I love some of the reaction coming in here. This is from uh, loyal listener Kay Donna, who who I, I put out the tweet, hey, this is refreshingly honest of Mike Zimmer to just flat out say what everyone's thinking about Case Keenum. I mean, what the heck? Right? It's funny that Rick Spielman dances around those that's questions what, yeah, for a half hour. Yeah. He's throwing knuckleballs, yeah. and Zimmer comes right in and throws you an 85-mile-an-hour uh, fastball, and right now uh, it's headed towards left field. You know, like Rick Spielman does everything he can to make sure, yeah, I'll, I'll speak for 20 minutes, but I'm not going to tell you what we actually talk about behind closed doors. And Zimmer's like, I will. Yep. <laughs> Hey, Here's what make I think. sure that recorder's on. Here's what uh, I think. And and so uh, Kay Donna tweets in, well, how about this? Is Zimmer the 13-3 and guy we saw this year, or is he the NFC title game guy? And and my response to that is, Mike, yes, the NFC title game was a it was a, a horrible disaster. It was Mike Zimmer got out-coached. He got out-schemed. The Vikings got out-played. But Mike Zimmer has a two-decade track record going back to his – position coach days to being a coordinator in Cincinnati of being one of the great defensive coaches in the NFL. So one game doesn't necessarily wipe out 20 years of being a great defensive coach. Mm -hmm. But on on the Case Keenum front, I don't think one season wipes out six years of being a backup and a mediocre starter at best when you were given that shot and being undrafted. Case Keenum has more to prove going forward than Mike Zimmer and does guess, when it comes to their their pedigree. And guess what? They never trusted Case Keenum from day one. Brandon, what's up? Hey, um, guys, thanks for taking my call here. I of course. Just, I, I love the show, um, and I got to say, uh, I'll warn you guys, this is coming from a Green Bay Packer fan perspective, and I think that this is um, important to say because uh, I, I'm not biased, I promise. Um, <laughs> I, I think for my entire lifetime, the quarterback position for the Minnesota Vikings has been in such flux that's made it almost laughable that, I mean, you, you can have like a two- to three-year stretch of really good play, and then your team seems better than the record at the end of the year. Uh, yes, I mean, you can debate whether or not Kirk Cousins would become the third-best quarterback in the division, which I, I do think he would. I think Stafford brings more to the table than, than Kirk Cousins does. 
but what you have is you know major stability at the position here and and I don't understand you know the negative feedback there seem to be a lot of people on multiple levels of social media radio who who are Case Keenum fans of us give Teddy Bridgewater a shot or who are a little scared of giving Kirk Cousins the big money it just seems foolish to me that with a team you know that the like the Vikings have the third best quarterback in the division would be massively good enough to win a Super Bowl and and make it the the division that much more competitive. I, I think that you know the Vikings haven't had a stable quarterback since Culpepper, who was really up and down as well. I think this is the most no-brainer decision the Vikings organization has ever had. I mean, uh, that's just my opinion on it. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Uh, one one quick reaction on that. So Matthew Stafford. Let's say Matthew Stafford and Kirk Cousins are. Fairly similar. Mm-hmm. I think Matthew Stafford's probably put up bigger numbers for longer, but you know, pretty similar. They're going to throw some dumb interceptions, but they're going to put up some big numbers and mostly going to finish nine and seven and not beat the great teams. Like p- pretty similar uh, resumes. Right. Imagine if you took Matthew Stafford, who you've watched for years in this division, and put one of the top three defenses in the NFL around him and a more stable organization and coaches and better weapons around him. Like. Matthew Stafford would be instead of a, is he a top ten quarterback? You'd say, oh my god, that guy like that guy could win a Super Bowl. So that would be the argument for Kirk Cousins too. That if you just take him out of that infested Washington environment, and that's what they put him over here. That's what they're could banking he take on. Another step? And that's what the Vikings think exactly right. Yeah. Um, all right, we can open up phone lines again later for this. The, if you if you just tuned in, Mike Zimmer sort of hedging on Teddy Bridgewater, saying now that it's tough to gauge if he's going to be ready or not because he hasn't played really in a couple of years. That's not what he was saying three months ago. And openly questioning Case Keenum's ability to maintain uh, the level of play. Let's catch up with Tom Pelissero, NFL Network, when we come back here. He's at the Combine. He's got insights. Mackie and Judd. Mackie in uh, the Hubbard Phoenix Studios. Judd in the Twin Cities in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Thank you, Phil. But first, I, I want to talk about my friends at Prime Mortgage Lending. And I've been talking to you now for a few weeks about Prime and my friend Kent McCullough. And I've been asking you a very simple question. What would you think if I told you this? A mortgage company's philosophy was this simple yet this effective. We would rather earn your trust than sell you a loan. I'll say it again. We would rather earn your trust than sell you a loan. It sounds too good to be true. I'm telling you right now, it's not too good to be true. And I'm also telling you to go to Prime's website right now. It's goprimewithkent, K-E-N-T.com, goprimewithkent.com. Folks, this is about uh, two key words. And I was talking to Kent a few weeks back about this, and I said, what do you want the the listeners, the potential clients to know about your company, about Prime. And he said there's two things here. It's about teamwork and collaboration. And then he said again, we would rather earn your trust than sell you a loan. So we are talking about the opportunity here to do business with a company that wants what's best for you. I'm going to give you the website again. Go primewithkent.com. Go check them out today. Go check them out right now. Go primewithkent, K-E-N-T.com. I guarantee you'll be happy you did back after this. Phil Mackey. I like his odds of uh, of replacing somebody on TNT. Judd Zolgad. Just a genuinely awesome guy, very giving of his time. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. I love Mike Zimmer. Oh, Mike Zimmer is the best. Just fantastic. Just so honest. What do you think Rick says then today when he sees Mike? So when Spielman, who's basically dodged and and if necessary, lies his way through things, but he certainly doesn't answer questions, and then he sees Mike for lunch, and Mike is basically just spelled out for the assembled media today at the Combine, everything he's everything that he's thinking and the Vikings are thinking. Well, let's ask Tom Pelissero about that from, uh, from NFL Network. He's at the Combine. 
And we we just spent the, the last segment kind of going over Mike Zimmer. Uh, we were just taking excerpts from uh, from Twitter accounts of yours and different. so Rick Spielman loves to get up to a podium and get in front of media for 25 minutes and talk without really saying anything. And then Mike Zimmer comes in and just says, "Yeah, we're not really sure about Teddy Bridgewater, and uh, it's hard to gauge his readiness." And Case Keenum, we think he still might be the guy with the Texans and the and the Rams. So, well, there you have it. <laughs> Well, Spielman was lurking, by the way. I don't know if that came <laughs> But we were on the uh, the second floor of the JW Marriott by a Starbucks, and uh, Spielman was kind of coming and going. At one point, he, like, stuck his head through these fake birch trees right behind the sofa where we were sitting talking to Zimmer. We were like, what's going on, guys? So he's around. He's always uh, he's always aware of you know, what's happening. But you know, I, in, in listening to Mike Zimmer, my, my honest response was it's a lot of the stuff, guys, that we've been talking about. You know, Phil and I did a show a couple of weeks ago when Judd was uh, taking one of his many vacations, and it was like it, it laid <laughs> I'm suits like Tommy. <laughs> I think it was it was laid out more or less the way we discussed it, which is, you know, the thing that nobody seems to understand on Bridgewater is it's one thing to take some practice reps. As Zimmer accurately pointed out, you know, scout team reps where you're told, hey, the ball's going here on this play. So if you throw an interception... Nobody's, you know, you're not getting booed by the crowd. You're, you know, you're not having to re-go back and look at the tape, wonder why. Like, you're, you're asked to do certain things. They haven't seen Bridgewater go out there in a game situation. So you got an unknown there. With Bradford, it's, can he get through an entire season? Zimmer referred to his knee as degenerative. We know that there are, you know, issues with, with Bradford's knee, clearly, after the surgery that he had last year. And then with Case Keenum, yeah, there's a lot of tape out there that says Case Keenum is still a backup. This season... Uh, certainly, if you look at uh, the stretch that he went through in November, early December, he looked like a starting quarterback. So which guy are you going to get? I think that the, the biggest thing, the biggest upshot of that conversation was that Zimmer kept bringing up himself several times how good of a team they have overall, and that he has told Spielman that he does not want them to take away resources from their strength. He, they want to be, he wants to be very careful about taking away from the strength, which is, you know, he said we've won 40 games over four years, and we've done that by playing really good defense. they got a bunch of guys coming up here between Anthony Barr, who's on his option year, Eric Kendricks, Daniil Hunter. You know, you're going to have to pay some of these guys, and it's not to say that the Vikings can't do that and sign a quarterback. They manage their cap as well as anybody in the league, but those are considerations where if we're talking about paying, and of course he doesn't name names, but if we're talking about paying Kirk Cousins $30 million a year, you got to figure out whether or not you can get all the pieces to line up. So when, when it comes to Cousins, Tom, uh, break down how you think this is going to work out. It sounds like Jets, Vikings, maybe Broncos with less cap space. What you think he's going to get and and do you what would be the Vikings fallback? Because, you know, if Bridgewater if, if you start the tampering period on March twelfth and Bridgewater starts talking to teams and let's say Jacksonville says, Come down here, we'll give you a good chance and Keenum talks to Denver and or the Cardinals, uh, and you you're all in on cousins and he goes to the Jets, you're in big trouble. So break down how you sort of foresee this cousin situation uh, falling into place. Well, his agent has meetings coming up over the next couple of days, I know, in Indianapolis. So, of course, there would be no discussion of Kirk Cousins with any team other than the Redskins. In Tampering, hope not. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of discussions that, that go on through the, through the course of these things. I think that it will become apparent uh, sooner than later what direction Cousins might go. You know, just kind of loosely talking to people here with other teams, what do you think the market's going to be? People guess that Cousins is going to get anywhere from 27 to $30 million a year. A lot of it has to do with the structure of the contract, where the guarantees are, how long the deal is. I mean, anybody who thinks that Kirk Cousins is going to come in at $22 million a year is fooling themselves. It's going to be a lot higher than that because there's going to be so much competition 
on the open market. Now, the Vikings do have some tools that they potentially could use, one of them being the transition tag, where, in essence, you could tag Keenum for about $3 million less than what the franchise tag number is, give yourself a right of first refusal if he signs an offer sheet someplace else. You'd really extend the timeline beyond March 6th. You could extend it into that first week of free agency, and then if things fall apart, plan A with Cousins or whatever it might be, you know, if you don't get there, you could still have Keenum on the hook. I also don't get the sense that the Vikings want to go that route because that's still paying $20 million for a quarterback in case Keenum, who, again, to go back to what Zimmer said, was surrounded by a really good team, and you wonder whether or not he can repeat that. There's some guesswork there. So Tom Pelissero, NFL Network, uh, Mackie here at uh, Hubbard Phoenix Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios in the Twin Cities. Tom's at the Combine. So uh, can you, from, from everything you hear and from what you observe in the league, Kirk Cousins in Washington versus Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, hypothetically, is it an upgrade in infrastructure? And if so, how much? Vikings ownership, Vikings defense, the weapons. I mean, he's had some weapons offensively the last three years in Washington, not as much last year with injuries. But can you compare those infrastructures? Would the Vikings elevate Cousins in your mind? I think it's totally different because the Redskins were really challenged uh, from a defensive personnel perspective, especially to go back to 2015, 2016, when Cousins was really just um, getting into the full-time starting quarterback role. They just didn't have horses, so he was asked to throw the football a lot. I think the defense has gotten better, but then all of his weapons, I mean, basically his entire arsenal got changed over last season, and they made some bets on guys like Terrell Pryor that just didn't work out. Uh, he had some challenges. You know, certainly you'd like to see more consistency from Kirk Cousins, but I go back to a conversation I had a couple of years ago with a, uh, a coach who had worked closely with Cousins and said, that guy is the best I've ever been around in terms of seeing it and getting the ball out. In other words, like the way that his brain works, the way that he can see things, that's part of why he had so many turnovers early in his career was he would, he would see things and he'd throw it and he would take some chances, you know, just because he wasn't, um, you know, he was seeing things that weren't necessarily there. But he has a quick trigger. You know, he's going to be able to process really fast. That's Those are big things, uh, especially if you want to operate the type of offense that the Vikings want to. You know, they still want to play good defense. They want to run the football. Uh, Zimmer said Delvin Cook, uh, is going to be pretty close to being back for OTAs. Uh, every, every word from Eric Sugarman has been that he should be back to himself better than ever. Um, you know, he's going to be running it. You're going to have Latavius Murray um, as part of that as well. Delvin Cook figures to be the, the load carrying back, and Zimmer uh, sort of made that clear today. But point is, that's sort of the focal point of it. So then you want to make sure that you are controlling the football. Yes, Cousins had turnovers early in his career, but that has abated at least to a degree. But I think it's a, it's a really logical fit. The question is, what are the numbers and how much less? Because I think, I think there's certainly a possibility that Cousins would take less, but how much less? Again, you're not going to get Kirk Cousins in at $22 million a year. It's going to be substantially higher than that, and the Vikings have to figure out, just like everybody else, whether or not you can make that work. Tom, what's your guess there? Because Phil and I uh, talked about that on, on the show on uh, Wednesday. What do you think? How so? If the Jets come in and and offer Cousins, let's say twenty nine or thirty, how close do the Vikings have have to be for, for him to say, okay, the offer from the Jets is fantastic, but the Vikings have a definite chance to win a Super Bowl here? Are we talking in your mind a two million dollar gap? Because I, I told Phil, I think if it gets to about four or five, he probably goes to the Jets and says, I've got to take the extra money. That's my opinion. Uh, yeah, and it's tough to say because uh, you know my understanding is they really haven't gotten into numbers yet. I think we, you know, everybody can kind of do some guesswork, figure out what they're willing to lay out. Um, but there's not been you know negotiations going on at this point. 
Uh, I, I think that the Jets are a logical team that's going to be in on him. I think the Cardinals uh, are going to be a logical team in on Cousins, and I think it's the Vikings. Well, if you got those three teams, certainly you would give the edge to the Vikings overall, but there are some pieces down in Arizona uh, in terms of their defense. they got a lot of work to do on the offensive line. I don't know that Adrian Peterson is going to be back there. You know, best receivers, Larry Fitzgerald, who's an older player, whereas in Minnesota it's Diggs and it's Thielen. Diggs is another guy, late-round drafting. This is the perils, guys, of drafting well in the late rounds. Is guys like Diggs and Hunter and Kendricks, you know, who don't have that fifth-year option because they're not first-rounders. you got to be doing an extension a little bit earlier with those guys. and every, All these parts fit together. You know, It is a salary cap league. Everybody over a long enough period of time, no matter what their cap space is right now, they all got the same amount of money to spend in the long run, and, and those are decisions that the Vikings are going to have to make. You know, Do you need to spend that much money on a quarterback when you are defined by good defense? Well, okay, I guess the counter-argument would be in order to get over the top and to win a Super Bowl, the quarterback is the missing piece. But the Vikings also saw what they did last year with a player who, to that point in his career, had been a backup. Yeah, I think... It... Tom, you, uh, there's so many angles to go here, but when, when we did that show together last week or two weeks ago, the one point you made stands out in my head, that this has been a franchise for 30 years going back to Tommy Kramer, the last time they were certain at quarterback for a long stretch. The Dante Culpepper era was for, for three or four years and then the knee injuries. You can kind of count that. We can debate whether Kirk Cousins is a top seven guy or a league average guy or if he's overpaid or this, but he gives you certainty. You know what you're going to get to some degree with Kirk Cousins because he's done it for three years. You don't know what you're getting in Bridgewater's knee. You don't know what you're getting in Case Keenum with a repeat performance. So if you're just looking to pay for certainty, you might have to over – maybe you're going to pay the most money for a quarterback who's not the number one guy in the league, but the cap keeps going up. I thought you were right when you said that. Just pay for certainty if you're the Vikings and and you've got 10 other potential directions to go in when you're thinking about this. Well, let's take it from a team that already made their decision on this, and the Jacksonville Jaguars also got to a conference championship game. They were winning that conference championship game with Blake Bortles at quarterback. Uh, they could have made a, a stronger push for Kirk Cousins before deciding to extend Blake Bortles, but the question was, how much better are we certain to be? We're going to commit that much money. And, you know, if you talk to people in the league, Kirk Cousins is a really good quarterback. This is not some guy who's been disguising it for several years. You look at his numbers versus historical perspectives. You look at some of the challenges that he's had. Kirk Cousins is a, a solid starting quarterback in the NFL. But is he that much better in terms of the amount of money you commit to play portals versus the amount that you could you would have to commit to Kirk Cousins, and what would the difference be? How many players is that? How much flexibility do you lose uh, from a cap perspective? You know, none of these decisions I don't think are taken in a vacuum by any NFL team. The Jaguars, you know, for better or worse, made the decision that we're more comfortable paying Blake Bortles, whatever it was, eighteen million dollars a year, than we are going to thirty million dollars a year for Kirk Cousins. That other twelve million, or, or whatever the difference might have been, is the uh, one two players on a on a good defense or, you know, extending Allen Robinson, whatever it might be. You have to make those decisions. Packers, a question for you, sir. How much do you expect with Ted now being a consultant and uh, Gutekunst being basically the, the guy in charge, how much do you think this is going to impact how they uh, approach things as far as uh, finally loosening up the pocketbooks to go and sign guys on the open market? You know, for years and years with Ted, he just wouldn't do it. Or, or if he did, he would sort of go into that second or third wave What's going to be the change in philosophy in Green Bay? It was fascinating listening to uh, Brian Gutekunst talk about it yesterday because he said we want to be really aggressive 
we want to be in on every conversation in free agency. Don't know how many you know, how many guys that means we're actually going to sign, but we want to be there. Well, that's music to the ears of Mike McCarthy and plenty of other people because McCarthy, and I've spoken with him about this before, is a big believer in bringing people in from outside your program when you're so heavily draft and develop. I mean, there were, you know, there were stats years ago about how the Packers have a 53-man roster and like 49 guys that never played for any other team. You know, you basically you get comfortable, right? You've only been in one program. You only know one thing, and you kind of get used to winning. You know, McCarthy believes that bringing in outside guys is healthy, uh, and, and there's excitement absolutely in that building that they're going to be full participants in the uh, player acquisition process from this point forward. Now, how aggressive are they going to be? Yep. That depends in part on some of the decisions they got to make um, with Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Clay Matthews. All those guys have eight-figure cap hits for next season. They're all in contract years. Can you extend them, lower the, the cap numbers? Packers don't have a ton of space. You know, that's another thing that they've got to be able to figure out over there to determine exactly how aggressive they ultimately can be when it comes to not just making the calls, which is a step in itself, but actually signing guys. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Tommy. Take care. You got it, boys. Tom Pelissero, NFL Network, does a fantastic job. Um, Mike Zimmer also said something about Bradford that we should get back to next. Basically, uh, Mike, I love this guy. Mike did a little bit to sabotage Sam, and I don't think he meant to, to do it, but this ain't going to help Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. Right here now. It's all right here. On 1500 ESPN. The brand new 1500 ESPN app is here. Stream live shows, download podcasts, read the latest sportswear articles, and more. You can do it all in one place on that 1500 ESPN app. And if you need more reasons to download it, like... Free stuff, we've got that too. We're spending the next month giving away a $50 Red Cow Red Rabbit gift card every day and a 55-inch Roku TCL TV every week. But you have to have the app to access the contra- uh, contest entry form. You can download the new 1500 ESP app in the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store right now, gentlemen. Mackie and Judd back from uh, the TCL Broadcast Studios. Actually, that's where Zolga and Harrigan are. Phil is sunning himself in right. uh, beautiful Arizona. So You know, you can get a tan just by standing next to a window here in Arizona. It's pretty amazing, Judd. I, I don't really Not care. I don't really care as much about that, but, but the fact that you get to go watch uh, spring training baseball... Mm-hmm. I'm jealous about. Yeah. I, I wish I was. Real quick, just to I, I'm down here uh, mostly on uh, high official business. Actually, my dad lives in Surprise, Arizona, for the last nine years, and we built so Hubbard. When I started at Hubbard Radio at 1500 ESPN in 2010, I believe I'm right on this. I think Hubbard Broadcasting owned the three locals: so KS95, My Talk 107.1, and uh, and 1500 AM 1500, and maybe some stations in northern Minnesota, but. It was mostly a. They had TV stations around, mm-hmm. and so so Ginny Morris has spent the last I don't know seven years expanding into Chicago and St. Louis. So when the Wild has played in playoff series, you'll be in the Prudential Building or the Hancock Building in downtown Chicago at our Hubbard Studios in Chicago, or you went to our uh, way of 101 Sports in St. Louis. This is the first time any of us have been to the Phoenix Studios. They just built them a couple years ago. Do you recommend? I them? might not ever come back. Uh, I might just live with my dad down here now. And watch baseball. It's a solid alternative. It's it's pretty incredible. Yeah. So that's why I'm down here for people wondering why is Mackie in Phoenix right now? Because he's smarter than the rest of us. Right. That's why. <laughs> uh, so so among the my favorite uh, tweets from Tom Pelissero in, in uh, the past hour when it comes to what Mike Zimmer told the assembled press corps, this is my favorite. I think, and this is Zimmer in a nutshell. This is Mike asked Zimmer about the level of concern medically with Sam Bradford. 
Zimmer referred to Bradford's knee as degenerative, but also said Bradford was skiing last week. Getting through a full <laughs> season is the unknown. Yeah. Now, now I think Mike likes Sam, but if you wanted to sabotage Sam, okay, you have just gone on the record as saying, okay, the knee degenerative. So yeah. that so she she ain't getting better. But then what I love is, but he throws in as if it's a good thing. <laughs> but he's skiing. He's on the slopes. That's amazing. So there, so let's say he's let's say he's got a bad knee that is okay for now, but you know it's going to be bad again because that's what the word degenerative means. And he's on the slopes. <laughs> Think about uh, that. Well, you know, to defend Sam Bradford, unless there are linebackers on skis coming across the way to T-bone you, I think I think you can go down a bunny hill with, with you know, some degenerative knee issues. <sighs> now, don't go tumbling like Lindsey Vaughn does every six months and wind up getting choppered off the mountain. But, uh, yeah, I think if I'm Sam Bradford or his agent, and my client is looking to <laughs> assure teams that everything is okay, hey, look, my client's gone skiing, and now Mike Zimmer says, yeah, don't worry about that. It's uh, amputation in the next three years for him. So uh, on the Kirk Cousins front, I keep going back to what Pelissero said, which is stability. You know what you're getting with Kirk Cousins. The debate isn't can he play or can he do it for a second year or is his knee okay. The debate is, is he like the 14th best quarterback or the 7th best quarterback? And so you can, or, you know, the other debate would be if you have to pay him a bunch of money, will that prevent you from re-signing an Eric Hendricks or a Stefan Diggs? And the Vikings are fortunate in that regard that Rob Brzezinski, their cap genius, is maybe the best in the NFL at figuring out that exact problem. Mm -hmm. So the, I think, I really think this is where it's all headed. Uh, Mike Zimmer might have some hesitations with Kirk Cousins being a little too reckless late in games, but everything you hear and all the signs from Mike Zimmer today point to Kirk Cousins. And I also think, even though he's had some weapons in Washington, putting him in this Vikings Ferrari will elevate his performance from the last few years to a new place, too. Phil, would you be surprised, though, and, and this comes uh, back to what we talked about a couple days ago, I would not be surprised at all if it is Spielman and the and the offensive gurus now basically telling Zim, look at the instability at this position and look at it for, for the years before Zimmer got here. And because I, Mike is so focused on defense, and I think at the end of the day, Mike Zimmer's biggest concern is, can we sign all, all my defensive guys? I think that's him being very truthful. So I really think the quarterback discussion also comes down largely to this. Mike, you didn't trust Case, and Mike, for years and years, there's been instability at, at the most important position possibly in all of sports, and we think we can get it. So, yeah. so I don't think this is as much about Zimmer um, – him thinking this himself as much as them saying if if Cousins is our guy we're convinced he can be our guy for five years and when's the last time I mean we, we went through that list of opening day quarterbacks since 2005 when's the last time that you felt that there was true stability here it's yeah. been ages it's been Culpepper probably well, and, and here's another angle you know who else is in those rooms and those conversations right now is John Filippo. right and if you're going to ask your new offensive coordinator highly regarded he's already interviewed for head coaching job so you know, he's highly respected. They flew out to Philadelphia during the championship parade to go talk to him. If you ask John Filippo, all right, which quarterback gets you most excited to potentially work with? You know, what? not that he wouldn't be excited to work with Teddy Bridgewater and mold him or, or Case Keenum. Don't you think the answer would be Kirk Cousins? Having watched Kirk in the division with Philadelphia. Probably. So you know what? Yeah. Yeah, you know, that guy, uh, there's Probably some fire there. There's some There's some upside there, and I'd love to be able to work with him and maybe iron out some of the things that, that aren't so good. Mike's, Mike Zimmer sounds like he has been convinced by people that the unknown on Teddy's knee is too great. Yes, 
He has changed his tune entirely. But I don't, to to but, flat out say that it's tough to gauge Bridgewater's readiness is not something he said three months ago. It's just not. And I don't buy that's a conclusion that he came to. I think that's a conclusion that the doctors and, and the executive staff, football ops people came to and told him, Mike, as much as you like the kid and we know that you love him, we can't trust it. And, hell, if, if Bridgewater goes to Miami, he'll probably be on the outs in three years anyways. You can get him back in three years. That's a crappy organization. <laughs> Let's come back. Let's talk to Lou Nanny. We've got a pretty loaded show here. Uh, Lou Nanny, when we come back, the scoop right after that. And then later on, we'll also check in with Derek Wetmore from Fort Myers. And Matthew Collar has been at the NFL Combine the last couple days, too. Judd's in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie at Hubbard Phoenix. It's Mackie and Judd.